Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. We should be concerned about how we're perceived insofar as it's feedback, it's information. When someone tells you, hey, I'm perceiving you in such and such way, that's information. What do you want to do with it? Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. This episode is the fourth and final part of our series on being bigger than your shadow. You've probably had the experience where someone knew you better than you knew yourself, right? Yet taking in feedback from others can be difficult, especially when it doesn't fit with your self-image or your conscious intentions. How do you take advantage of the wisdom that others can offer you without selling out on your own truth? Keep listening to find out more. This episode is from a recent weekly member webcast. For more information about the many benefits of clear and open membership and how to get the help you need in conversations just like this, please go to clearandopen.com. Thanks so much for listening. Let's dive in. Navigating feedback that you get, I think some of the feedback might be, you might disagree with it or it might be conflicting to an internal view that you currently have. Is that a piece of it or? Yeah, see, that's what I don't know because I don't feel like I'm struggling or disagreeing with any feedback I'm getting at this where I'm at right now. But it's like more of a future is, you know, what in what positions of your life do you look at feedback you're getting and how do you take it with a, you know, if someone's giving you feedback that maybe you don't know so well or, you take it with a grain of salt, as they say, but feedback that you get from people that you know well around you, you obviously want to take that. So I guess it's just, I think it's just like a self journey of what feedback do you choose not to take and really looking at why that is maybe. So I'm just, yeah, I don't know. I don't even know why I brought it, but it just resonated. So one more thing I'd say about that is struggle related to taking information, feedback, reflections from other people often is because there's like a fear of what might happen if you took it all the way in, which is different than believing it. Let's set aside believing it or not for a moment, but just receiving it all the way. So what most people will do is they've got a kind of movable wall up in front of them like a screen that's like semi-permeable. And then people say things and they're like, they, you know, deflect some of it and, you know, let some of it through, but there's, there's a kind of process out front with it. And that's a lot of work. And you can't really discern the truth of the matter when you're sort of blocking it, parrying it, wrestling with it out there. But generally what happens is people are afraid that if they let it all the way in and receive it, then somehow they'll be unduly influenced by it or believe it or whatever. When actually the belief of it or the accepting of it is a totally different 
dynamic than the letting it in, right? Ever, all of you probably had the experience of receiving, letting someone speak a bunch of stuff that maybe you even knew in advance was really quite untrue, but you just wanted to give them the room to express themselves and you just let them talk. You received it. You didn't agree with it, but you received it. There's a difference. The invitation I would make is receive everything. Receive everything. There's no need to set boundaries, you know, unless the person is a sociopath or something and you, or has demonstrated again and again that they're completely, you know, hurtful or whatever. Those people need boundaries. But um, boundary setting is, takes a lot of energy. Just let it all the way through, let it in and through. Does part of that involve um, dropping any emotional reactions? Not, I wouldn't say dropping them. I would say setting them aside. Okay. Because an emotional reaction you have, by definition, means you believed it. Right. You see? And so that's what we're talking about. The difference between receiving information and believing it. Receiving feedback and believing it. You know that, that expression we have, don't believe everything you read? Well, that exists because this is a very difficult thing. You know, fake news, for example, right? People see it on the internet and they go, oh, it must be true. So we, we laminate this, this thing. And then if you, if, you th- if you unconsciously believe what anybody tells you, well, then you're going to have to put up walls. And that's work. And now you've got this question of, okay, well, how do I, the very question of like, well, how do I manage all this feedback, all this information coming at me? In one way, the very question says you're resisting it. You see what I mean? How do you manage it? Let it all through and then discern what you want to go with. And you might think, well, if I let it all through, I'll be overwhelmed. Oh, no, no, no. It's the thumb over the garden hose thing. If you let it all through, you'll see that you're just in, a, in an ocean, not trying to drink from a fire hose. The, the fire hose effect only happens when you tighten down the aperture. Now, this is really advanced, but it's an orientation to, to maybe try out just because it takes a lot of, walls take a lot of energy. Hey, Hannah, I have a question. Just sitting here listening to this. Is your... Your question centered around a concern that you're building a foundation within yourself now and that it's going to be stripped away by the feedback in the future? Or am I missing that? No, I don't think so. Okay. Maybe you don't know what it is and just open yourself wide open for a while. See what happens. You know, there are people who are too open and need to work on setting boundaries, that's unusual. I'd say that's about 10 or 20% of the population. Most people need to work on the opposite. But it's, it's an aperture thing. You want to be able to open and close. So that way, you know, when you run into a sociopath, you can close the door. Or a really extreme narcissist. There's, you know, people like that. There's not much you can do except for just shut the door on them. Let us know how this unfolds. And it feels like there's something gelling in you that maybe turns into another question at some point? I think so. I think I need to sit in that for a while. Yeah. Appreciate you bringing it in a raw format. You know, it's like um, 
with the clear process to clear defining the problem or defining the question, you know, that can take like years in extreme cases. So don't just because it sounds simple defining the problem that, that, that doesn't mean that it's not okay to bring something in a raw form where you don't quite know what it is. That that's a process. Sometimes it can be clarified really quickly. Sometimes it takes longer. Usually I have to say it out loud. And then after I say it out loud, I start thinking about it Uh just now, which I know we're coming up on time. So, well, I don't know. Give it a shot. Okay. So I think that maybe what my, I might be getting at for myself is, so I've always been told that I was very, I'm a very direct person, which I'm looking at to see, you know, what is there when I'm first meeting people that may seem cold or harsh, or is it my directness? Is it, what is that about? So maybe what I fear is not in that circumstance, but So for me, frustration is something I'm trying to work on just because I do get frustrated easily and I'm starting to recognize it. So maybe what I'm worried about is that what I feel a strength of mine is, is being direct, is controlled by frustration. So no. Okay. I don't know. Who would you be if you weren't frustrated? It's a good question. That's what I've been asking myself for quite a while. Let's come at this another way. Um, What's directness look like without frustration? How would you describe directness without frustration? What adjectives would you use? Directness without frustration. What does it feel like? I think I would feel, I don't even know. All right, well, your answer validates the the question. Yeah. Because what's going on here, what I suspect is that your directness is a gift. I think your directness is a gift, but your shadows co-opted it mm-hmm. and is using it like a weapon to some degree. So what I, that's the inquiry I would leave you with is, so directness is you, that's essence. When your shadows got a hold of it, it expresses as frustration. Ah, yeah. What is, how does it express when you have a hold of it? Okay. What is that? I don't even want to give you examples. I don't want to suggest no, anything. I need to think about that. Yeah. That's but that'll be your touchstone. Okay. So that you you do you agree with the assessment that of you being direct? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're past that. Good. Right. Just want to make sure you had accepted that already. Yeah. So directness is wonderful. It's a beacon of light in a dark world of cliche stock language and indirectness. So that's a great thing. And one more thing that might help you, directness is frustrating often for people precisely because of that, because we live in a world that does not value directness. And so direct people are often seen as pushy, even when they're not. So there's a place of self-forgiveness there. And then what would be the quality of expression because certainly there are times when you're direct and it doesn't come across frustrated. You, you do that probably all the time. What does it look like? What does it feel like? What wave does it come upon? If it's not frustration, how does it come out? That's you. Does that help? Yeah, that's really helpful. Okay, good. So look for that. See if you can lim- 
get it down to a word or two to describe it. Okay. Victor wrote, is that something we should be concerned with, how we are perceived as someone? Leave it to Victor, man. In the last minute, you always ask these profound questions. Tune in next time for how much should you care about how you're perceived? I mean, let's see, in 60 seconds or less. um, Well, it doesn't matter. You you wrote, um, if someone perceives Hannah as being pushy and she's not meaning to, isn't that their hang-up? It doesn't matter what someone's intentions are, right? You you just said you just told us a lot about yourself and what you wrote. She's not meaning to. It doesn't matter whether someone is being pushy and they don't mean to. Are they being pushy or not? You see, good intentions and see road to hell, right? The the question is, if someone perceives Hannah or anyone else as being pushy and they are, and then you would say, well, who's to judge and yada yada yada, but. Um, we should be concerned about how we're perceived insofar as it's feedback, it's information. When someone tells you, hey, I'm perceiving you in such and such way, that's information. What do you want to do with it? Is it true? Is it their projection? Has anyone ever said it to you before? You don't want to summarily dismiss it and you don't want to summarily swallow it. Neither of those are having your... Uh, on self-authority. But to think that you're a better perceiver of yourself than someone else in all cases, absolutely. Well, that's just arrogant. Many cases, people see you better than you see yourself. So it's precisely when you don't intend to express something a certain way and then you do, that's when you want to listen the most closely because what happens, right? When, when, when people, and if you have to go, it's fine. Last thought here, hopefully. When, when people say, you know, hey, you did such and such. Oh, but I didn't intend that. What's going on there? But I didn't intend that. My conscious intention wasn't to do that. Yeah, but you did. Responsibility would be looking at the shadow, the unconscious part. Yeah, I know you didn't consciously do that. I know you didn't consciously intend that. But your shadow unconsciously did. And guess what? You're responsible for the contents of your unconscious. When someone says, yeah, but I didn't intend to do that, they're trying to let themselves off the hook for taking responsibility for their shadow. Oh, but that wasn't my conscious attention. Okay. Well, then it's manslaughter instead of first-degree murder. Still consequences, right? But I didn't mean to kill those people in the drunk driving accident. I didn't know what I was doing. I was drunk. Uh Uh-huh. You're still responsible. That's just how it is. Not comfortable, not certainly not convenient sometimes, but that's the way you learn. That answered the question, Victor, you still look skeptical. I think that's just my default setting. It's a part of you's default setting. You get to decide what part that is. All right, you guys. Aloha. See you next week. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Be sure to visit clearandopen.com for the latest tools, articles, and free resources to help you on your journey. Thanks for listening and bye for now.